That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Why couldn't you just tell me I have PCOS? (laughs) So ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) So ridiculous. And I don't know if it's just because like we just get left out in a way. It's like. Always. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hi, besties, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, the largest self-love podcast and movement. The fact that I don't know my own intros half the time is hilarious, but (laughs) I promise you it is the largest self-love podcast and movement, your number one destination for personal growth and mental health. I'm your big sister and your host, Violetta. Today, my special guest is Sasha Petersa. You nailed it. Yeah. Petersa. What a, what a last name. <laughs> yeah, she's a renowned actor, singer, wife, Hendrix's mother, Aquarius, and author best known for her role as Allison on the hit show, Pretty Little Liars, that ran for seven seasons from 2010 until 2017. Sasha is also an advocate for body positivity, mental health awareness, and she uses her platform to inspire and empower others. She released music, authored a book called Sasha in Good Taste. She recently launched a podcast. Yes, Women in the Nude podcast. Yes, but they're not naked when they do it, so don't get too excited. I mean, you can be if you want. Yeah, yeah, but she's not. (laughs) And it was also just announced that she will be joining and starring in the thriller The Image of You. Did I miss anything? No, I never know what to say during these or like what to do. It's like I know I'm on camera and I'm just like, like, yeah, that's that's me. It's a weird it's a weird thing to be introduced, but you did it flawlessly. Thank you. Okay, so what would you say something the most people don't know about you? This is such a good question and like I I never know what to say to it. I feel like I'm I've been a fairly private person growing up in the industry, but I'm pretty open. I I this is just so lame. I always have lame answers to this type of thing. So pe- most people don't know about you that you're lame. That I'm lame. Yeah. I'm incredibly lame. Okay. I'm not a very <laughs> interesting person. <laughs> No, I'm not. a creature of habit. Like I like oh. certain things and that's I like just keep doing that until I don't like it anymore and then I'll like finally change something up and then I'm a creature of habit too. Yeah. I'm actually very similar in that regard. That's why I'm so surprised you're an Aquarius. Aquarius is like to adventure. They like new things all the time. I really love to travel, so I guess that is Aquarius. that's yeah, like I, I like doing that. I really like being in nature. I like hiking. I like you know. Yeah. But maybe it's a thing when you get older, you're just like, okay, I don't totally. like change too much. Well, I think it's also like <laughs> laziness, big, like big what? part of la- laziness. Oh. Now I have a kid and now it's like, it's a whole thing to like yeah, I'm take sure. the family unit somewhere, you know? Yeah, I'm sure having a child makes you so lazy. I'm being sarcastic. That's so much work. <laughs> yeah. He's like such a chill little dude and he loves everybody, which makes it- He's a little easy. Scorpio. He is, yeah. Fiery little thing. But he's so sweet. He's so sweet. For now. 
for now. Yeah. <laughs> if he was a girl, I'd be really concerned, I feel like. I feel yeah. like female Scorpios, are, they're what you want. They're like that powerful woman, but they're also like terrifying to raise. No, as a child, my mom, my parents said that first when I was born, I just would never cry and I was super chill, just like laying around. And then when I could finally walk and because I was also in, like I had so many roles too, so I could barely move because roles. of that. <laughs> yeah, I had so many body roles <laughs> that I could barely move. But then when I was, you know, a little kid, like four, five, six, seven, I was just so always just trying to touch everything, run everywhere. Yeah. My father for his job, he would work on a ship and sometimes we would be able to sail with him if we wanted to see him. Yeah. And one time my parents told me that I was like six or seven and the boat, it was a large ship and the boat was rocking really hard. And it was like 12 a.m. or 1 a.m. And they were all in the movie room watching a movie together. And then suddenly my dad's co-workers were like, Elia, I think I think that's your daughter. And they look through the window and it's pitch black outside. And the boat's rocking really hard. And through the window, I was like this because I was awake and I was trying to find my parents. I was just oh, looking no, that's around. Terrifying. And my parents were mortified because we were like on the 12th floor. I don't know how high ships are. We're really high up. And the boat was rocking insanely. So And it was pitch dark outside. So I could have literally just fallen like, off and no one would no ever one know. know. Yeah. Nothing to that extreme. But <laughs> Hendrix is very fast. <laughs> yeah. He does love to touch everything. He can get to everything. He climbs on things like... Well, like everything needs to be put away. Like he'll grab the knife, he'll grab the, you know, whatever. Is. Like he's, yeah, he's Fun. he's not shy yeah. about it. Okay, so throughout your journey as an actor, what would you say some moments or projects that have made you feel the most fulfilled and aligned with your true purpose? I love that question. Thanks. <laughs> I have gotten to do a lot of really different things in my career, which is really rewarding. Uh, I'm going on 24 years in the industry, which is wow. crazy. I started when I was around three and a half. So I feel like as I've changed as a person, the definition of that has kind of changed. Pretty Little Liars was a really great experience. I got to do a lot of fun things with that character. You know, she was like bitchy and but she had a really like unique arc. And so that was nice. But actually, I'm not just saying that because I'm trying to promote my new movie. But this movie that I just did, I get to play twins. So I got to play two characters and they're very different. And that was a lot of fun because I had to establish like everything from like a different walk, like a different, you know, tone in my voice, a different way of carrying myself, a different way of reacting to things. Like it was so different. And I had to do one, you know, one after another. Like we, we would cut and then I'd go get ready for the other character and I'd have to be completely different. And make sure that I that those lines don't blur. Yeah, when I'm not like that. They have to be completely different people. I got to do some wild stuff. The most intimacy things that I've done in my yeah. career on this movie. So that was really interesting. We involved butt tape. There was a lot of new things. <laughs> butt tape that I, that I got to do on this project. You know, like after baby and all of these things. Like it helps that spark come back for like why I love my job. So that was pretty fulfilling. And I think anything that's like different, anything that's like a challenge is what fulfills me in my industry. What goes through an actor's mind when you're playing a character, especially whether you're playing uh, a movie, so you have to be this character for a couple of months or you're doing a character on a show. So th when you film a show, uh, that's a good amount of months. So you're filming through the year and Pretty Liars were seven years. Do you accidentally sometimes end up playing the role of a character you're learning to be outside of the 
right. film. I mean, sometimes, like, I feel like roles definitely, like, rub off on you in weird ways. You're spending the majority of the time with your character and your crew compared to your own family. Yeah. Anywhere from, like, 12 to 17 hours a day as that person and as yourself, but, like, in a completely different environment. So yes and no. Like, Pretty Little Liars, it was that character became second nature to me. Like I knew exactly what she would say and how she would say it, but I was really good at turning it on and off. But I feel like that character like empowered me in many ways in my own life. Yeah. Like the way that she would handle things, even though it was not well, (laughs) it gave me confidence. Yeah. And I feel the same way about this role too. Like I feel very empowered by the sexual side of it. I was like, oh, it like awakened something in me. I was like, yeah, it's cool. I can, I can totally be like that and be like confident in it. So that's really fun. But I do feel like there is like a decompressing. I have to have like a little bit of a moment. I'm not a method actor. And so I can't even imagine that process for a method actor who really is living it and kind of in many ways say it's a movie and there's it's a three month shoot. They feel like they have to be that person for three months on and off camera. And I feel like that. Like, everyone has their own process, like, all power to them. But I feel like that would be so much more emotionally draining. Right. Whereas I don't know if it's just because I've done it for so long where that's not as big of a deal for me. I just need, like, a moment to decompress. This shoot, for instance, is a good example. I was just – I was filming for four weeks or a little over four weeks. I was playing both characters, obviously. So that that was kind of weird. And you just kind of go home and, like, there's, like, a little kid running around and you're like, oh, right, life, you know, like, those other priorities and it kind of, like, snaps you out of it. Right, especially because you've been doing it for so long, too, so now you're probably used to that. If I started as an adult or, like, a a teenager, I think maybe that would be harder But because I've just grown up doing it. I've. But I like the stuff that you said that because your character in the movie that's coming out that you just joined is more – sexual it brought the sexy sexual side of you because i think that is almost a correlation to when you keep faking it you keep pretending to be confident or you keep telling yourself in the mirror different mantras how your life is going to be perfect the more you fake it the more you start to believe it and it's kind of similar than to you're acting with yourself in front of the mirror right so people everyone should try that i agree and so the author of the book that was adapted she's amazing i love her so much her name is adele parks and she told me, she's like, I wrote this, this one of the characters, she's like, I, I wrote her, you know, basically to be like the sex kitten. She's, she's like empowering and she walks into a room and she knows that she can fuck any single guy that walks through that door. That's me. And, but, <laughs> and I mean, you can, obviously, but. No, it's, it's not the looks, it's a confidence. That's, that's my point. It's the like, like she was like channel that find that. And I was like. That's a fun kind of exercise. Yeah. And it really is a confidence thing. It's like I I can totally do that. And even though it's that's based in like a sexual manner, it's way deeper than that. I think it's yeah. like, it's like a, being so comfortable and confident in yourself and like owning yourself as like a, a woman and a person and, and what you're capable of. It's not really about sex. It's really just about that. No, it's, it's about – your body is the longest home you'll ever have that you and you live with it and you'll have it for the rest of your life so you have to be kind to your body and to yourself and i've had friends the most beautiful friends who are the most gorgeous models and sometimes we went to parties and if they they could barely wear anything but if they don't feel good about themselves it's so obvious versus I, i have friends who are not models but the way they walk into a room 
everyone notices them and they don't need to be showing their belly, their boobs, their bum, their legs. They can be fully covered up and everyone will notice them because they walk in like they are the shit and everyone else starts to believe it too. Yeah, it's so true. Do you ever miss Pretty Little Liars? I do in, in, in a lot of ways. I think by the time we ended, we were all ready to play different characters. Well, you guys run out of people to murder. For sure. We jumped the shark a couple times. I love our writers. They were amazing. But we jumped the shark a couple times and it was supposed to be a five season show and it became a seven season show. And we were doing 22 to 24 episodes a season, which was we were like the last show to do that. Yeah. So we were filming for over nine months. But what I do miss is our crew. Oh, we all became a family. And it's weird to see those same people for that length of time and then just not anymore. Right, because it became your family. Yeah, we went to weddings. We went to funerals. We went to like housewarmings. We did so much together. And, you know, I still am close to a handful of people, but just naturally with lives changing and you yeah. know, we're not in the same state anymore. We've bounced around. And so, yeah, there's a chance that we'll work together again, but it's not the same. And it was just kind of that like f- it felt very final. Yeah. And so I I miss that. You know, my favorite thing about Purdue Little Liars was how relatable it was to my high school experience. I was yeah, like, this is so crazy. That was scaring like, people on the weekend. Yeah, I was like, this is literally <laughs> my experience. Like like the romance with all the teachers, all the murder, getting away with murder, yeah. our friends backstabbing each other all the time. Totally. I was like, is this is this based on me and my friends? <laughs> it was kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah really yeah. relatable. It was definitely an over-exaggeration of, you know, what some teenagers go through. Yeah. 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 At least you guys didn't have werewolves. It's true. We didn't really have anything paranormal. Yeah. I mean, A, could basically do whatever they wanted. I don't know where they were, who funded them. Yeah. But. I I would say my high school experience was a mix between Pretty Little Liars and Twilight. Where'd you go? (laughs) I don't want to send my kids In the valley. LA, in the (laughs) valley. Yeah. The valley's crazy, man. Yeah, I believe that. I totally believe that. Yeah. <laughs> you were really young. I recall we had this conversation on your podcast when I did your podcast, which everyone go listen if you haven't. You said, I think you were, were you around 12 years old? How old were you when you joined? Yeah, I did the pilot when I was 12 and we shot the first season when I was 13. Was that an odd experience for you looking back now that you were so young shooting no. such a serious show? It was pretty serious, I would say, in a lot of Oh, ways. yeah, for sure. Definitely things that most 12-year-olds wouldn't either know about or, yeah. you know, know how to handle in that scene, I would say. It was not weird for me at all. I always had older friends. I'm an only child. I feel like I was always comfortable around adults. I started so young in the industry that that was right. like my playground. The character was so strong that it was fun. Like I had to be confident. Otherwise, that role would never – like I would never work in that role. It's putting on a persona and – and it worked really well. I, I met Keegan, one of our one of my co-stars on the show. He I don't remember how old he was. He was he might have been like 20. But the first time we met was this first scene that I had with him. And I I had to like get up in his face and yell at him and threaten him and mm-hmm. whatever. And I remember him telling me later, he didn't know how old I was, but he was terrified of me. Like for a year, oh. he was terrified of yeah. me, which is so comical because I was literally a child. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of like went for it and I just I've always kind of had that in me. Like, well, I find it fun. you probably had to grow up. I feel like starting acting at such a young age and being on set for so many hours, you kind of probably had to grow up fast. Definitely. But I also don't feel like I was forced to. Right. 
I think my parents were pretty good about that. Like I could always my they always told me that like if you want to anytime you want to stop, you can stop. So I didn't feel pressured to be in the industry. I really loved it and I really loved that environment. Like I love becoming different characters, but I in particular what I love about my job is the is the environment. Being around the crew, seeing how things work, that behind the scenes nature where like every single person has a job and it's a village and you don't get that final product without them. And it's that relationship. We're like carnies. We really are. Like we're just like a bunch of misfit people and we all become like really close and and then and then you don't see those people all the time. It's a it's a weird it's a weird thing. Who are you still close with from the show? I talk to the girls every now and then like we're all having babies and getting married and you know yeah. that sort of thing. My hair and makeup girls were so amazing. Um our sound team, the producers, some of the writers. Oh, wow. uh, one of our prop guys who actually was working with another friend of mine who's in the art department. So like we That's all so kind of, yeah, it's it's fine. If you can give them advice to your younger self with everything you know now, what advice would that be? I know we've been talking about confidence, but I guess it's like. Well, I mean, 12, 13, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a different type of confidence. Yeah. You know, like I wish I would have shut out a lot more voices because I grew up on that show. I had the majority of my health issues on that show. There were a lot of opinions being thrown around, not only behind the camera, but, in, you know, because of what was in front of the camera. And so, and I'm talking to everybody from like family to, you know, people who didn't know me, strangers across the world, like everyone. I wish I could have shut more voices out and just kind of stopped appeasing people, just like focused on myself a little bit more. Yeah, that must have been hard, especially at a young age. How did you handle criticism and stay true to yourself back then? And how do you do it differently now? I think... And this is, I also just in general think this is what happens when you get older. Hopefully it does for the majority of people, which is you just stop caring as much. Like I just, I care less about what people think. It was definitely a a journey. I feel so strongly in that now as a mom, like I really, like so much does not matter or affect me anymore. But as far as like people picking me apart back then, I was just kind of like a people pleaser in a lot of ways. Like I wanted to... I think I felt pressure to bring that character to life in the way that people wanted to see it. So, you know, it was based on the books, like Allison was supposed to be this type of person. And I felt like almost like I had to apologize for not meeting that instead of it kind of being like, well, I'm a human. I'm a person outside of this. Like there's other shit going on and I don't know what it is and why. I I had a lot of good people around me, you know, my best friend and, and a couple people on my team that were like there to help me figure out what was happening and and to do their best to support me. I felt like I was like pulling myself from the bottom and the only person that matters is you and like you need to fix this because no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah, I think the apologizing stuff. I handled a lot a lot of stuff rolled off my back that were that I kind of realized were like not necessarily personal. Like a lot of the social media stuff did roll off my back. It was more of the people that I knew, like their comments to me really right. like I took much harder because I was like, you know me, you know the situation, like how fucking dare you be that critical about something when I don't even know what was going on. Rejection and that sort of stuff, I'd always been able to handle fairly well in the industry because, you know, like 99% of the things that you go out for, you don't get. So you just kind of, it's like you either swim or you die. Like you can't get affected by that stuff. You just otherwise, yeah, you're just going to be a stress ball. But I think just in general now, sorry, I'm going around in circles, but now I just care less. I can't control what people think. Their vision of me is not who I truly am. So you can kind of just go and 
Yeah, and you have a good yeah. support system also now. You have your yeah. husband, your your yeah. Hendrix that you're taking care of. I mean, right, my priorities this matters to you more than someone's yeah. opinion about your looks or your weight or anything else. In ways I see myself as a business. Yeah. Navigating like the trajectory that I want and what I want to do in life and how I take care of my family and that's what matters and nothing else really matters. No, I agree. But in 2018, you did make a comment about how y- in 2018, you g- gained around 32 kilos uh, because you were diagnosed with, yeah. was it, is it PCOS? PCOS, yeah. Yeah, because I, I have a poly- polycystic, polycystic ovary okay. disease. I did not realize that's what PCOS stood for. Now I do. And we kind of discussed that on your show. But kind of remind me again, when... Did you realize? Because at first, I remember you, you said, you told me how you didn't even know what was going on and people thought, oh, yeah. you tell me. Yeah, it, it was a slow progression, I'd say, from when I was probably 16 or 17, I really started noticing that I was, I was, I started having issues. Like I've never had a consistent period, which is a big sign of PCOS. I would go like six months to nine months without having a period and I was not on birth control. There was no, you know, easy reason for why that was happening. And I had gotten checked out a couple times at gynecologists and they kind of just blew me off. Like, you know, you're young, it'll regulate, it'll, you're being ridiculous. And so I left it alone. And then, yeah, 2017, rolling over into 2018, I gained around 70 pounds for no reason. I was trying my best to eat well and exercise and- And how old were you when you gained that weight? Uh, uh, 20, 19, 20. I was fluctuating a lot, but that was really extreme. And I was like, something big is happening. Like, I don't I have no control over what's happening in my body, which was extremely frustrating because it it was unexplainable. And I went to 17 gynecologists and nobody like nobody listened or they flat out told me to my face that I was lying. That you were just eating a lot and yeah, you're lying. That I'm you're, lying. You don't know that, why you're gaining weight. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you're doing something and it's, it's you know, of course it's explainable. Like it has to be like what you're Right. Because when you're, you're gaining – also when you're gaining a lot of weight or when you're under stress, that's also one of the reasons why you may stop getting your period. So they just – Right. So they that. just kind of – yeah, okay. kind of put that together. And I like – I just wanted a blood test too. I was like somebody just test my blood. Like it, I, didn't, I didn't even know the PCOS existed. So I thought like – there could be so many other things wrong with me. Eventually, like I ran into somebody that was like, oh, go to an endocrinologist. And I have, my mom has thyroid issues and there's a lot of diabetes in my family and all that stuff had already been checked off. It's like, no, you don't have that. No, you don't have that. But I was like, well, okay, I'll give it a shot. Amazing doctor was just listened to me for five minutes and was like, well, I got to test your blood. I'm like, oh, thank God. You know, you most likely have PCOS. I had no idea it's in your blood. Hormones, it'll it'll show, it'll come up as like one of the big things is either very high or very low, a very high testosterone or very high estrogen. What do you have? I have very high testosterone. Oh, I have the very high estrogen. Right. Apparently there's three types of uh, PCOS. Right. And so the thing about PCOS is that it looks different for everybody, which is why I feel like before it was, it was misdiagnosed so often. It still is, but not as much anymore because there is more awareness. Thank goodness. 
But yeah, like I I didn't have any cysts in my ovaries, which a lot of women, most women have, I would say with PCOS, but you don't have to have cysts to have PCOS. I didn't have gastro issues, but a lot of women have gastro issues and you would never know. I was the, the you know, gaining weight, um, like the major fluctuations. Um, I had, I got no endorphins when I worked out. I felt sick whenever I actually like ate something that should be good for me. Looking back on it, I was, I was probably also depressed because I couldn't figure out what was going on. And of course, your hormones well, are fluctuating. Not being in control of your own body, of course, is depressing. Yeah, exactly. And that just like makes and everything everyone worse. from the outside also telling you. Everyone's voices saying, yeah, and obviously everyone thought I was pregnant. That was like the go-to. And but like everything gets thrown around. Like people don't care when they're commenting on your shit. They probably don't even think that you see it most of the time. It was a very frustrating mixture of things. But she listened to me. I found out more about it. Sure enough, those blood tests came back with all of those things that I just said. And she was like, all right, well, there's, you know, a couple of options. She doesn't like to prescribe birth control. So that wasn't the thing that she wanted. Metformin, which is what I ended up going on, which kind of started the process into recovery. And essentially, it was just making sure that I ovulate, like forces you to ovulate, which... Met- metformin. 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 So it forces you to ovulate. It's a lot of, it's actually used for multiple things. A lot of it is for type 2 diabetics. Well, type 2 diabetics, the reason, I think people, a lot of people don't understand it, but type 2 diabetics are are people who, the reason they have type 2 diabetics is because they're overweight. So they mm-hmm. take different things in order to help them lose the weight. And then they will also get rid of their type 2 diabetic, diabetes. Right. It's not the same as type 1 diabetes and people get the two mixed up. So they're very different. there's loads of medicine that people with type 2 diabetes can take because it's, gen- it's literally for them to lose the weight to get rid of type 2 diabetes. I have a type 1 diabetes in my family as well, but as my fair, my half educated opinion is that I know at least is that you don't tend to pass on type one diabetes, but type two diabetes is can be hereditary. Like you're more yeah. prone to it. They're very different. You handle them differently. You know, like uh, the way that you need your insulin and all that stuff. It's those just, are two very completely different. I just think there's so much we don't know about women's health, and I think only this year I've started to learn more about the fact how much we don't know and how much doctors don't share. Whether it's our mental health from all the different chemicals we put in our bodies to try to regulate our bodies and then all the physical health that no one tells us because I got when I got on birth control when I was 17 I was put on birth control for hormone imbalance and no one explained to me what that was so I just started taking it and then I took it until I was in my 30s I tried to get off of it at one point. I think we talked about it in your podcast. I tried yeah. to get off of it at one point and I sunk into depression. I gained loads of weight and didn't make sense because also at the same time I was trying to get off of my Adderall. So I was like suicidal. So I just got back on both. But I never correlated why I was so up and down or why I was gaining weight to birth control. I, I was like, oh, it must be my Adderall withdrawals. But then again, when I, in my 30s, I think last year when I got off of birth control again, I gained loads of weight, uh, acne, insanely hormonal, like my emotions weren't making sense. And never once it w- did I know that it was because hormone imbalance means PCOS and that I, I didn't understand that. And it was only when I froze my eggs did uh, they had to keep a watch on me with how much they were injecting in me. And then I remember I was like, somebody DM'd me saying I have PCOS. Is that, what is that? And my doctor was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely have PCOS. That, that's You're for like, sure. And I'm thinking, so how is that even funny? Tell me? Yeah, Secondly, it's not funny. What the F even is PCOS? Why is that a joke? 
and then around the same time, my other doctor prescribed me metformin mm -hmm. and never told me why. So I thought I had to do what he said it was going to help me feel younger. That's the crazy part. But again, I was prescribed that not knowing why I took it for one month. And for me, maybe very constipated. Oh, it's and the first two weeks are insane. My, my doctor, sorry to interrupt you, but my doctor said, do your best to push through it. The first two weeks are hell for the for the majority of people taking it. But afterwards, you'll be fine. You well, like have to like. I got off of that it. Window. I got off of it because also, again, I didn't know why it was prescribed metformin or whatever it's called. Metformin. I so it's all the all these times no one's actually explaining to me why I'm just so uh, I stopped taking it and then I just went through a little bit of depression that helped me lose my weight. You know, online bullies really do work. <laughs> they put in the work and they bully you, and then you just you drop that weight. So thanks, guys. You're my heroes. I'm kidding, but it did it did help. Hey, Bessie. So as you know, I've always been super open about my struggles on this podcast from my past battles with anxiety and depression to any recent struggles that I've had, whether you're going through a breakup or life changes or whatever it is. Like I've said before, life and our emotions in general are like the ocean. They go up and down, up and down. And sometimes you need more than just friends or your cat to talk to you need a therapist a licensed professional you know and I personally didn't know where to get started until I found Talkspace and Talkspace made it easy for me to find a therapist that I liked because it's convenient you can meet them online at home or wherever you're most comfortable and for me, Talkspace made a huge difference in my life because I no longer felt alone, that I was battling my emotions on my own. I had someone to talk to, someone that I trusted. I used to bottle all my feelings up until I found the right therapist that was right for me and gave me the guidance and helping hand that I needed that sometimes your friends can't do for you, you know? Sometimes people wait until something really bad happens to talk to the therapist, but I think, why wait? You can get a therapist today, right now, through Talkspace. Therapy is something everyone needs, including your ex, and it can help you shift your perspective, find tools to cope in difficult times, and be a guiding light. So getting started is so important, and that is where Talkspace comes in because they make it so easy and so affordable. At Talkspace.com, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. It's incredibly convenient to have these virtual sessions with your licensed therapist from the comfort of your home. There's no need to commute for these appointments, no need to miss work, and you can even send them text messages to your therapist so you don't have to wait for your next session. Talkspace is affordable and in-network with most major insurers. So yeah, that's right. They take your insurance. And right now, as a listener of this podcast, you will get $80 off of your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash adulting. So to match with the licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash adulting to get $80 off of your first month and show your support for the show and show your support for your mental health. So that is Talkspace.com slash adulting. Hi, besties. Today's podcast sponsor, the supporter of today's episode, comes from Honey Love. The reviews are in, and Honey Love comes on top when it comes to the best wedding day shapewear. With wedding season upon us, this is the ad that you've been waiting for, whether you are a bride, a guest, or you're just looking for an everyday fit, like I'm literally currently wearing <laughs> their stuff as I'm doing this ad, because they are your go-to for all things 
shapewear. I always wear them under my dresses. That's why I always look super snatched when I go out. And they have revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you are suffocating while you are wearing effective shapewear. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. And right now we have an exclusive offer for my listeners, for my besties, you can get 20% off of your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash adulting. So you can support my show and support your body and your confidence and yourself on a fun night out by wearing Honey Love. So check them out at honeylove.com forward slash adulting. Okay? Honey Love is just as easy to put on as it is to take off. Shapewear should not be hard, okay? Their products make you look good and feel good. Personally, I'm obsessed with it because A, the one I'm currently wearing helps me with booty lifting and it smooths out my thighs and it prevents back bulges. It's just everything that you need. And like I said, it's not suffocating and it makes you look good and it makes you feel good. And Honey Love right now has more than just sculpt wear. They also have incredibly comfortable bras, tanks, and leggings for everyday support. They also have bodysuits with 360 bonded compression that smooths out your tummy and your hips and built-in bust that supports lifts without underwire. So if you're big boobies like me, it's for you, okay? But also, you know, shout out to the A-Cup. So shapewear that's comfortable, Honey Love got you. You heard it here. So treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash adulting. Use our exclusive link right now to get 20% off honeylove.com slash adulting. Support your body <laughs> on a night out and support my show by checking them out right now. See, I'm the opposite. I get bullied and I like get stressed and that like yeah, that makes me gain weight. Huh? But I just I just got off birth control the other day because I said, screw this. I don't care where everyone else's opinion tell me to never take birth control. I don't feel like myself. I haven't felt like myself in months. I want to regulate mm -hmm. myself. I don't want to get a metformin and all these other things. I don't which I, I don't understand. No one explained to me. All I knew was birth control I already froze my eggs. I'm back on it. So praying in three months. I can gain a few pounds, get some of my breasts back, get my personality back, <laughs> and be super chill, like the super chill girl that I am. Yeah. Well, I think this is the thing is like, not, there's no like one fits all. Yeah. Especially with PCOS, but with women's health in general, like every woman is different and every situation should be handled differently. And it'd be really great if the doctor is just like, I don't know, listened to you and yeah. tried shit and explained it. It's the most frustrating thing when you – don't understand or can't control something in your body. And usually there are fairly simple fixes. All that stuff should have been explained to you. It's ridiculous that it wasn't. It's We shouldn't have to always go to Google and like Reddit to figure out what's wrong with us when right. we are seeing and paying for health insurance and doctors. Or everyone beating around the bush about the other things. Yeah, it's like they're scared to tell you for what reason. It's like so bizarre. They like dance around things. I don't. I don't get it. I really, really don't get it. But I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I'm sorry that like you had all like the shit that happened to you with your your like freezing your eggs and like that nobody explained that it might be that bad. Like all of those things are are just so frustrating. Because it's and, such a relief when you find out actually what the cause is. Because once right. you find out, then you can start working backwards and figuring out how to fix it. Right. And you, I, I, for me, I'm a control freak. So I felt, okay, I'm back in control because now I can connect where this is coming from versus before I have no control over my own body and I don't understand what's happening with my hormones is am I okay in my brain I don't feel right yeah. and I have no explanation 
Yeah. You feel so alone when you go through those things. And you're not. Yeah. And so that's the other thing about PCOS is that it leads to so many different things. I think we talked about that on mine too, where it's like PCOS can uh, like lead to ovarian cancer and breast cancer and all of like more cysts in your ovaries and like all of – and infertility is a big one. It's so frustrating to me that there are so many women that were either misdiagnosed or never diagnosed and then all of a sudden they get cancer or they, you know, like they go through all of these extra health issues that could have been avoided if they knew that they had PCOS and could try and control it. That makes a lot of sense because my gyno, every time she told me I need to come in for more checkups for those two things because I'm more prone to it. And I didn't understand why. Now you just said that. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Okay. There you go. That's why. Why couldn't you just tell me I have PCOS? (laughs) So ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) So ridiculous. And I don't know if it's just because like we just get left out in a way. It's like. Always. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I don't know. So how do you find strengths in overcoming significant challenges, whether it was when you were younger and you had the weight gain and you had to go through all those months of figuring out what's wrong with you and getting all that feedback you didn't ask for or other things in your life? How do you, what do you do? I had good people to lean on. Like my husband is amazing and we talk about everything. Like communication is really big for us. I've had my same best friend for 17 years and she's amazing. Same thing. I can always talk to her about anything. I'm naturally a fighter, which I know is like not helpful really. Why is that not helpful? Well, like it's not like a tip. You can't just be like, just be a natural fighter and you'll get through it. I guess just maybe like I want to be better. Like I don't like where I'm at. I'm accepting it, but I don't like where I'm at. So I'm going to do everything I can to to like move out of the place that I'm in. Good. That's generally... Who else is going to take you I've gotten, exactly, like I've only gotten better at that. But I think it's that, you know, having the right people around you to make you feel empowered and comfortable enough to do that. Do you think being a mother made you even stronger? A thousand percent. I am so much stronger, actually physically as well, mentally and physically now that I've had my kid versus before. Like I am a different person. A lot of this same, you know, loves and passions and all that, but like, I am a s- way better of a person after him than I was before. My mother told me that I will never understand the love that you have when you have a child because it's such a different type of love and it's new love that you're going to learn or discover. Yeah. Comparable to anything else. For sure. Well, I mean, like there are just – there are so many things that that change. You have to be more selfless. I mean, hopefully – you you're forced to be more selfless there's something like you need to keep this little thing alive you get joy out of it like you get so much joy out of seeing something that like looks kind of like you or is like and that's not every situation either but this like little human developing and it it brings you so much joy that yeah you can't really explain unless you're in that position I think a lot of what's happening now and I think this is healthy is that there's less pressure to have kids like people that will never have kids will never quite understand that. I've always wanted to be a mom and a parent. So, you know, I, I don't think I would be satisfied in my life if I didn't have a kid in how, whatever capacity that meant. Yeah. I always knew that. I always knew that I wanted to be a mom in whatever shape or form that ended up being. I know that I have a lot of friends that have decided to not have kids. And I would never be like, 
you're never going to be fulfilled in your life because you're deciding to not have kids. Why are you taking so, away from your current experience right now? It, no, I'm not. This such a habit, by the way, of all people now in 2023 where <laughs> you want to be proud of something. And you say, but by the way, I mean, anyone that's not not doing that, no, like, that's okay too. I think, no, I mean, and that's funny. And I, I feel like I, I used to do more of that for yeah. sure. I think there is an, it's an important thing to say because I am so proud. I would never have it any other way. Like I would scream yeah. that at the top of, a mountain like I I'm so proud of my son being a mom where I'm at today I'm the most empowered I've ever been but I do think that like in a in society there is a tendency to be like you will never feel this joy unless you have a kid well yeah that's silly and so but but that's like a that's a huge thing like I've I've like families will like a a parent will say that to their kid and I'm not talking about your mom she's right (laughs) she just meant to say how much she loves me right and and that's like particular to you but I feel like there's a lot of kids that get or adult kids that like feel the obligation or that they they might be like missing something in their life if they don't make that. Yeah, decision. you're just showing compassion because yes. not a not everyone's able to have kids. Right. That's uh, that's a huge part of it. But it is a beautiful thing. I'm obviously I don't have children right now. I froze my eggs just in case I, I yeah. when I'm ready in the future. But my mother she just said that because she, her mother passed away when my mom was 13. And so she didn't get to experience having a mother. She was so young. So I think that's kind of what made her want to be the best mother she can be to me. And she, yeah. she's literally so sweet. I mean, the connection that we have, it's, it's so endearing. Whenever I feel down, if I don't call, that's how she knows I'm, I'm feeling not great. And one time she told me, she was like, Violetta, you don't understand. When you feel pain, I feel pain. So We're true. connected. You're my blood. It hurts me so much when you don't share. And I was like, Mom, stop. It's cute, but it's so it's so true. It is the greatest joy that I will ever feel in my life. Like I know that that's like, what you want of yourself. That's your exactly. purpose. You found your purpose. And it yeah. is a, a thousand percent my purpose. Like I love my job. I will always make sure that like I am still my own person. Yeah. But if I had to choose, I would be like a mother more than my that's career. Sweet. And and that's okay if everyone does like not everyone feels that way, but like that's me. I know I'm I'm serious. <laughs> Now, now I'm doing what you said I was doing. Um, it's funny. I understand. It's it's you trying to show compassion to strangers because a lot of times now, especially because of the internet and how there's access to, for, to all of us so easily, people on the internet will take things personally, not realizing that they're projecting their pain onto a stranger's. That when you say right. your biggest joy in life is to be a mother, you're not actually saying that because someone out there can't have children or doesn't want to, that they're lacking something in their life. Right. You're just talking about your own experience yeah. separate from their experience. And that's where I think mental health comes in, where people need to learn how to be more self-aware and understand that their triggers are not other people's responsibility, but their own. Right. I completely agree. Preach it. (laughs) That's so true. And that, like, for me, I've had to learn that in a different way. I think we all do in certain ways. Like, in my industry, comparing myself to other actresses or, like, age is a big one. I'm like, well, they did that at that age. Like, I feel like I'm behind. That's an interesting thing. That Like, that's a hard thing to, like – move past and i've i've thankfully moved past that but the comparing yourself to what they look like what like is that the standard of what like the bond girl needs to look like and like the superhero or you know the oscar winner like trying to we're constantly in our industry trying to put ourselves on a path to to the direction that we want to be in like your you know your your team is always like 
take this or don't take this based on the trajectory and the path that you want to be in, which I, I think is healthy and it's a, it's a business plan. Yeah. But I think there's also that like mental health thing where you can get lost in that. Like instead of it being like, this is what I want to do and this is who I want to be and these are the things that I want to play. Yeah. It, it, it's scary. I think that's why you always have to be so true to yourself and take such good care of yourself because if you don't know who you are, someone else is going to tell you. Yeah. And that's not good, especially if they're not sure about themselves and right. what's going on in their life. I had a previous person representing me who like wanted me to have the same career as this other actress. Like it was brought up so often. Well, you need to do this to be to be like her. You need to do this to to do, you know, to be like, you know, what she's doing or what like brand deal she's getting or what, you know, decisions that she's made in her career. And I I was just I got to a point where I was like, but I'm not her. I will never be her. I can't. Like I want my own stuff and I want to produce and direct and do all sorts of other things. Like I, I'm not going to fit into that box. Yeah. And that's good that you didn't listen. Yeah. I had the same issue where I just joined. I knew nothing about the industry and they kept comparing me to someone else. And they just said, well, you need to do more like that. Why more, right. be more like that? And I'm like, okay, I am I just a failure every day I wake up? But I mean, I can just call my dad back then and <laughs> I don't need to hear from you too. So a lot of the of our entertainment industry too is like do do the same but different. Yeah. Right? Which is so ridiculous. Like based on like the things that we write, the things that, you know, like characters that we play, the way that we look, the stuff that we do on the red carpet. Like no matter where you are in the entertainment industry, it's generally do the same but different. And the things that are original are so few and far between and like being on the other side of it and like pitching shows and pitching movies and and trying to figure out like what you know, these studios and networks want. It's so much of do the same but different because they get into their little comfort zone. And the things that they actually take chances on that are original are like 0.01% of the stuff that is like actually original that gets put out there. Yeah. Which makes no sense. And it's like one network will have one show and they're like, well, we need a show like that. Yeah. It starts to suck as like a consumer. It's annoying. Well, it's usually like, well, this works. Let's keep doing it until it doesn't exactly. work. Exactly. What yeah. advice would you give someone out there that's currently struggling in their life with finding their passion or purpose in life? I feel like usually you already know and you're just kind of scared to do it. Oh, I like that. It's a luxury, but if you are on that road and you want to find your passion, our generation and, and like Gen Z, Gen Z is better at it than we are. What am I good at or what do I love? And let's make a business out of it. And I think that's so cool. Like finding your purpose in general should be what you love doing. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard to be fulfilled in that. Yeah. That could be your standard job. It could be, you know, a plumber. There's nothing wrong with being a plumber. If you love to do it for whatever reason, awesome. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to create something that's never been done before, but you love it, you will be passionate in both of those jobs if it means something to you. Yeah. And I think we have that now to some degree, even if we have to take something that we don't like in order to make that happen. Yeah, but also your passion, purpose in life can be things outside of work. Right, it doesn't have to make you money. Yeah, whether you're a mother, that's your passion. That was my mom's passion. You know, my passion, I realized I wanted to help people better themselves. (laughs) Whether or not it made me money made me feel good because it was helping me grow. Right. So my my passion is, uh, my purpose in life is to do that. My passion in life is to so stupid but i'm really passionate about understanding the meaning of love because it's not stupid at all <laughs> i grew up without it so everything that i do now is what i what i wanted love to be so everything i do now 
is in search of that because I'm a very logical person. And for so many years, I didn't use feelings mm-hmm. except anger and rage. So now it's more my passion became learning humans and why they do what they do and kind of giving grace to everyone around me, including myself. So yeah. I enjoy that. Like the pursuit of understanding and the pursuit of happiness. And I think it's that's a beautiful thing. And I, what I would add is like to someone trying to find that, whatever that may be, regardless if it makes you money or not, is to try things. Yeah. And I feel like that's a really hard thing. Like naturally, I feel like we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of like what people will say when we try something new. And that generally comes from people that are close to us too. Like I feel like family can be like one of the biggest downers stand in your way so much and it's, you you care about their opinion. And so like it's it like heavily influences the, the things that you want to do. But that's my biggest thing is like try things. If you don't already have something in mind, try it. New things. Yeah, I agree because – you can't know unless you try. And I agree with the family. It's, it's always the closest people to us who give us advice. But don't don't forget that you should probably take advice with a grain of salt, whether it's dating advice from your friends or family, whether it's a new business or anything like that. Because a lot of people, many of us, most of us, we project our thoughts that have to do with us. So right. if I'm not a an adventurous person if i don't like change if i like routine and you're telling me you're about to quit your job to pursue your new life for me it's going to give me anxiety because i would never do that and i'm too, uh, even if i wanted to i'm too scared to do it so of course i'm going to project and be like yeah. you're too old for this why would you do that blah right, blah it's and it's because i'm scared yeah so if you want to do something you won't know until you try it. the whole thing of people being like well what are other people going to think what if it's cringe cringe is one of the most dumb words I've ever heard in my life because you have to do cringe things in order to get somewhere in life. And I will continue to do cringe things for the rest of my life because whoever thinks it's cringe, they're projecting it to be frank. I don't give a fuck what other people think. I never really did and I still don't because I have no social cues and I'm very blessed for not having no zero <laughs> social cues. And you have to do cringe things to figure out what you're good at in life and what you love. So please be cringe. So true. Couldn't have said that better. It's so, it is really, it's so true. Do you mind sharing a specific moment or encounter that you feel like deeply impacted your perspective and empathy and compassion? I think like grief is a really big one. I have empathy for someone in my life who has, has lost somebody. Grief is an interesting thing because I feel like we tend to look at things with rose-colored glasses when somebody has passed. We like take all the good Instead of like recognizing that there was a lot of like toxic behavior in that person that passed. And I think we are just naturally prone to like glorifying somebody because they're no longer present. I don't know if that really makes sense, but it's like. No, it does. Whether a breakup or losing someone in Right. It doesn't have to be somebody that has like actually passed away, but it's this like this empty space that's left and we tend to fill it or remember it as like only these joyous times. And I think that can also be really damaging to the people that are still you know, here or yourself where it's like, you don't have to remember all of the bad things, but at least try and do your best to remember them as a whole because they affected you maybe in positive ways, but probably a lot of negative ways too. They're not here anymore. Like you don't have to to make them feel better in a way. But you don't have to disrespect their memory. Or taking right. away your pain. Or taking away your pain or like bottling it up or not, like not handling it. And so anyway, this situation that's happened in my, my life, that's the most recent thing where I can feel like I've they're very close to me and I feel like I have a lot of empathy for it. And I feel like that has changed my perspective and I've grown in that way where 
or I've thought about people in my life or things that I've done in the past, people that have not passed, but have that are not in my life anymore. Pretending that everything is okay never makes me better. And ultimately, I'm left with myself and, you know, my my people. And so you have to, like, recognize things as a whole instead of just looking at it with rose-colored glasses. I like that. That's a really interesting perspective that I never thought about because I always just believed in forgiving people for everything that they do to you because it hurts you more than it hurts them. Mm-hmm. But I never thought about it in a way where you can forgive someone but still remember that they weren't perfect yeah, and still have that in your memory how they treated you, whether it's someone that's still alive so you know better or someone that passed away where you have good memories but you still also remember that they were only human and they did do things to hurt you. And yeah. you release that hurt so you can grow as a person but you didn't forget. I That's good too because I think I'm sometimes too much on the other extreme end where I'm too forgiving. So... I, I, I never thought about it like that because I always think, well, I don't want to upset them right. by me still hurting. But yeah, you're right. That's not fair to, to us as a person. I think people are also scared of being selfish because I definitely am. I've, I've never wanted to be a selfish person, but I think the word selfish is looked at so negatively and in many ways it is. But I think there's not enough people that actually put themselves first because it's looked at as you're just like labeled a narcissist if you've decided to do something that is – best for you yeah people who are upset by your boundaries are the people who benefit by of them the most right so if someone was calling you selfish or a narcissist because suddenly you pulled back because you said boundaries that's not that someone was not thinking of you first that someone enjoyed taking advantage of you or enjoyed crossing your boundaries and now that there's boundaries it's less fun for them yeah <laughs> what's the best advice you've ever gotten the best advice i've ever gotten is technically not just for me it was for partnership so like it was for marriage, but I feel like it applies to just partnership in general and parenthood. Like, so yeah, specifically parenthood that like me and my husband, so like your partner, need to put each other before your kid. It sounds selfish. You know, it's like, no, your kid should be first. And in many ways, obviously, your kid should be first, like, you know, safety and like general well being. But putting your partnership before your kid because ultimately you're not going to be the best parents and the best partners if you're not solid but it's part of self-care you can't be the best Mm -hmm. parent if you don't have that intimacy that you need i've read different books when it comes to the dating and i there's a is it eight first dates or eight rules of dates i don't recall but it's basically about what you need to ask your partner and the amount of dates you continue going on, whether they first do it for the beginning of the relationship, mid-relationship, when you're engaged, and then when you're married, then when you have kids, and it's this exercises they have to keep doing with your partner. And I forget, based on the research, I've also seen how you need to, is it date night at least once a week or something like that, where you yeah. put time aside. And it's very important because you can't be the be- yourself the best without you know, investing in your partner as well. Right. Absolutely. And it, it's it's like that growth is necessary and that like the doing the stuff that's uncomfortable, like communicating no matter if it's like a good thing or a hard thing, like communicating all the joys together, but also all of the bad, whether it's like a problem in your relationship or with you or outside influences, like talking is so important even when it's not fun. And it's the only way you move forward. And you're setting a better example for your kid as they grow up if they see that in the two of you and if they if if you as parents like as a unit do that with your kid or right. kids as well cuz your children they can feel when something's off between their yeah. parents they know even if you're not fighting in front of them they can tell the energy right 
And so, you know, a lot of people, a lot of parents make different decisions in this area, but like what you keep private and what you do tell your kids and that can like, it, it can result in being very traumatic for the kid in many ways, or it could be a healthy experience. And I think everyone kind of needs to find that boundary. But yeah, essentially, it's like the communicating, the sharing and making sure that in general, you're you're headed towards the same goal and you're willing to grow and give yeah. your partner space to grow as well. I love that. We, we all change. I love that because I read that the successful partnerships in general, whether it's friendships, your family relationships with your partner, whatever it is, the way to success is the where you never stop learning about each other. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram. That's Sasha Petersa or Women in the Nude Podcast. That is also the Instagram social handle. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. How <laughs> Women many in the Nude times podcast. a week is it? It's every Wednesday. See, she's good at she's good at this. It's like she's she does this <laughs> off it. I'm brand new, as you can tell, to the space. Uh, but Women in the Nude Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, every Wednesday, we like to talk about everything women like we want you to feel like you have your community that you can share anything that you want to on our pages we have daily inspiration and we just want to make sure that we all have a place to be open and and know that you're not alone in the things that you're you're going through and when when does your new movie come out we don't know yet okay so most likely the next year probably next it's crazy you film it and then you have and you wrap it up and then you have no idea when it comes out yeah, and because there's twins, there's two of me, that twin tech takes a long time too. Like when you play effects. twins, do you get paid twice? You should. Oh, but you don't? You don't. Oh, I just, I guess that's so funny. I, I always just assume like, wouldn't you t- be taking home two wages? You should be. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of energy. <laughs> okay, got it. They just pay you maybe like a little bit more, but don't. Yeah, maybe they say that they do. They don't. That's interesting. No, but I got two places on the call sheet. I was number one and number two. Nice. Which is pretty cool. That is really cool. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening, besties. Follow Sasha. Listen to her podcast. I'm obviously going to have all the details in the description of this episode. If you have any questions, make sure to DM me. And accept that. Don't forget to have a beautiful day. Love ya. Bye. Bye.